Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, fam. Today's episode is with Shira Barlow. It is from my recent LA trip, and it's a conversation that I loved having. Shira is a nutritionist and a registered dietitian. She started her private practice focusing on helping clients untangle their complex relationships with food so they can make thoughtful choices that serve their ultimate goals while still enjoying delicious food. She also is the author of the book, The Food Therapist, which is practical and judgment-free guide that helps readers hone the skills needed to put their get healthy intentions into daily action. And she's the host of Good Instincts, which is Dear Media's first daily podcast consisting of five to 10 minute episodes that include nutrition and wellness advice for her devoted following interviews, trend reports, and Q&As. And I actually was a guest on the show. It's such a fun, like quick little thing to pop on every single morning. I cannot believe she does it every day, but here she is. Today's episode, we dive into our relationship with food and the evolution and the things that like maybe cause roadblocks for many in their relationship with food. She gives us some dietitian tips on how to balance our blood sugar, specifically around breakfast. We talk about her clientele and what she feels a lot of people are facing and struggling with in today's world. And we do dive into the ever so hot topic of Ozempic because it's something that I have been seeing a lot on recently. And even just within that conversation, the commentary on people's bodies and the impact it has and how much greater of an impact it is than anyone could ever imagine. So I loved this episode. I think this will really resonate with the community because I know this is a topic that you all care deeply about as well. So without further ado, here is Shira. I'm so excited to chat with you because I got to be a guest on your show, which was so fun. And I want to obviously tell everyone about your show at the end of this because it's great. But I'm really excited to dive in deeper in like long form discussion about so many things. But specifically, I have shared a lot about my relationship with food over the years. And my community who's been here from like the beginning has seen me in my days of like writing for Mind Body Green about how to like follow the whole 30 diet and ticks, like tips and tricks and doing all those things and meal planning and being really obsessive to now in a place where food just is like food yeah. and letting go of that. And it's been such a journey for me. And I know that so much of my community 
has either experienced that on their own or alongside me. And I really always feel that when we talk about these topics, it's what resonates with my community specifically. So welcome. Um, that was my very long intro. Well, I'm excited you. to have you. Thank you for having me. No, um, I love that that's what we're going to talk about. I think it's so applicable. It's so applicable. And I think everyone, like males as well. Oh, yeah. Everyone goes through some journey with food. And I would love to hear your experience, even like, I don't know when you felt that you even noticed food was food. Because I yeah. remember vividly, like when things shifted a bit for me, but what has your experience been like? You know, it's so funny because I think that I've come at it from like the food therapist piece, but not everyone knows like my own story. So I think that that it feels nice to talk about this piece too, which is, so I remember really early being aware of that too. I was a figure skater growing up cool. and it's like such a beautiful sport, but I, I do love feel, watching figure skaters. Me too, like the winter Olympics. Yeah. Is, and we had an ice hockey rink at my school. We were one you of- did? Yeah. One of three high schools oh in New God. Jersey that have ice hockey rink. That's amazing. So we would figure skate, we would skate during like once a week in the winter for oh, gym. so cool. And then we'd have free skate. And like you could watch my mom's very good friend would it was like a great skater and she'd skate. So I feel like I was seeing people do it a lot and I love it. Oh, I love that so much. You know, it's a beautiful sport, but it is so known for having disordered mm -hmm. body image stuff and disordered eating stuff. And I just remember being really aware of my body and the way that I looked in like you know, the tight outfits. And I just feel like within my family and I was just really aware of grownups talking about other people's bodies and like women hating their bodies mm -hmm. and talking about how really thin bodies were so special and how bigger bodies weren't great. And I remember just being really aware and being really kind of hyper-focused, probably like around fourth grade in this age that I feel like it's is young. too young to be it's aware really of that young. stuff. Yeah, and I remember being like, aware of a bunch of kids going to birthday parties and having cake and stuff like that and like kind of thinking about that, which bums me out now, like yeah. thinking about a fourth grader. And I kind of always carried that with me. I was never like, I never had like a full-blown eating disorder or anything, but I definitely had disordered eating and I was definitely would be restrictive. I also think, you know, I just... I was a really like stressed out kid and I was really high achieving. We talked about this yeah. on, on my podcast. And so it kind of can sometimes go hand in hand with like the super type A type kid. And I was just, I would restrict, I think as a way to feel in control. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in high school and we talked about this too, being an athlete, I was a lightweight rower. And there you're constantly being so then you're having like weigh-ins. That's like legitimate have legitimate to be a legitimate weigh-ins. And it's really interesting though with that because you also have to be super strong mm -hmm. and you have to have a ton of energy and it's like a really hard sport. So like you have to think about food in a, a different way. So that actually kind of forced me in a lot of ways to do it the right way because I wanted really badly to be really good and I wanted to do it in college and I wanted the whole thing. And in order to do that, I think I had to really shift out of, yeah. you know, it being just this aesthetic thing and re being restrictive and to this something that could be sustainable. And then, you know, over the years, I I think I got more and more comfortable with the fact, and we talked about this as well, as like the thing that actually feels the best yep. happens to work the best. Like I felt Always. like when I started just not being so obsessive about it, I was able to really 
actually be at the place where my body felt the best. Mm-hmm. And it, but it was like a long evolution. And I think then going to school for nutrition was really eye opening because I realized that it was true that like the thing that that we're all wanting is the balance piece, which if you actually do, does actually work. Yes. And I'm curious because I always have, I think I see this with creators, myself yeah. included. And I'm curious from a more like professional standpoint, did you feel like your relationship with food led you to that industry? Because you see a lot of creators that I don't know if it's a direct correlation, but without fail, a lot of us who especially were at one point in the food space now talk about disordered eating and a past. And I have to believe that some part of that is why we were drawn to the food content aspect of things, you know? completely. Completely. I think that the thing was that I, right out of college, I actually went the entertainment industry route. So I was an assistant at CAA, which is one of the big agencies. It's like entourage. And so I kind of got sidetracked in that, which was really helpful because my first boss in that industry got pregnant. And the only thing I enjoyed about my job was making sure she was okay and not like pounding Diet Cokes and ordering her good things. And I was researching all these things. So I think if I had gone straight from basically school to nutrition, it may have come from that place that, and I think it, I think my interest has always been in that, like this is something that was fraught. And then mm-hmm. I think that's why sometimes people come, become therapists totally. and different things. But then it, I kind of got to go and do a whole other industry and realize like I actually did want to find my way back to food in this way that was more balanced and was actually something that I was like really enjoyed and I think was kind of good at like intuitively, but yes, completely. So you leave CAA. Yes. And you go to school for, you became a registered dietitian. Yes. And when you graduate, like when you start working with clients, where are you now personally, but then also what is your practice focusing on in terms of clientele? Because I know some dietitians, all dietitians feel differently about different things and they're focused on different practices. Like what would you say your focus was or if it still is in like bringing clients? So I went to NYU and got my master's in clinical nutrition. And it's a super medical-based program. So you basically do a residency at a hospital for like a year and a half and you rotate in each disease state. And the interesting thing about doing the hospital is that like once you're already in the hospital for a chronic disease, the like day-to-day nutrition piece isn't as, I shouldn't say as important, but it just takes on a different route where like, If you're there for medical intervention, the actual medications or surgery or something is really important. There's an education piece, but I think like your day-to-day nutrition in the hospital, that wasn't really interesting to me. But what was, was at the end of my rotation, I ended up teaching a bunch of people how to eat who are newly diagnosed diabetics and they needed insulin. And what I realized is that everyone would benefit from thinking about food in that way, just in terms of balancing blood sugar. So I have a lot of questions on this. I want to hear. So when I started my practice, the interest, I I really led from that place where I was like, I think this is really the crux of everything, which is everyone would benefit from balancing blood sugar. It looks different for a lot of different people because sometimes people, 
I mean, everyone's so individual, but I think for most people, the through line is that it's something good to keep in mind. But the thing that was so interesting to me was that I found again and again that most people knew what to do, meaning they knew that they should be more thoughtful about what they're eating and they knew that they should take these pauses and they knew that they should, you know, not be eating because they're like sad or lonely or depressed, but because they're actually physiologically hungry and they wanted to connect back to those hunger cues. And so the issue wasn't that they didn't know what to do. It was that they weren't doing those things on a day-to-day basis. There was this huge gap between what they really wanted and what they were doing day-to-day. And they really worried that it was because they didn't have willpower or they were lazy or they just didn't have it within them. And what I really realized, it was more of a therapy piece, which was, it was it was that we're busy and tired and stressed. And it's really hard to make thoughtful choices when all of those things are going on. So my practice became more food therapy, which my first book was all on the food therapist and just kind of getting out of our own way and figuring out what your roadblocks are. So that was really what the focus was. Last week's solo episode was all about my morning routine, which you know I feel very passionately about. And one of the key factors in my morning is my morning AG1. I'm not exaggerating when I say I do not miss a morning. Even if I'm traveling, I have my AG1 with me. Actually, especially if I'm traveling. Like this week, I'm at the beach for our annual summer vacation, my favorite week of the year, and Joe and I made sure to pack all the travel AG1 packs we'd need because it is our favorite way to start our morning. When I'm away, whether it be at my parents' house like right now or at a hotel or wherever, my morning AG1 helps me reconnect to my morning routine that I typically experience and enjoy at home. It is so simple to make with the travel packs. You just simply pack them up when you're heading out the door, Rip open a pack in the morning, pour it into your water bottle or a glass of water, mix it up, and enjoy. Bam. With just one scoop, we get the nutrients and gut health support that helps our whole bodies thrive and covers our nutritional basis. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted increased energy and immune system support, and now it is such a staple in my routine. I take AG1 first thing in the morning after my meditation and before my coffee during my solo time prior to waking up my son, and it makes me feel ready to take on my day. One of my favorite parts about AG1, though, is that as a busy parent who is constantly trying to check off the 10,000 things on my never-ending to-do list, I never have to worry about whether I'm running low. AG1 is delivered to our door monthly, so I never have to think about it. One less thing to worry about is a massive win in my book. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash FFF. That's drinkag1.com slash FFF to check it out. Today, I want to talk to you all about Green Chef, an absolute game changer in the world of meal kit companies. They are making eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're a keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or simply just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef has got you covered with a wide range of recipes to suit your preferences. Speaking of wide range of recipes, Green Chef now offers over 50 weekly menu and market items. That means you can discover exciting new flavors that support your healthy lifestyle. And that is not all. Green Market is your one-stop shop for nutritious grab-and-go breakfasts, brunch kits, wholesome lunches, ready-to-eat snacks, and more. You can easily add them to your weekly order, making life even easier. 
I've been a Green Chef subscriber for a while and their meals have been a lifesaver for me. With my busy schedule, I really hardly had time to cook like especially elaborate lunches, but Green Chef changed that. Their 10-minute lunches are perfect for my on-the-go lifestyle and the best part is that they're nutritious and require no cooking. Plus, the recipes are so flavorful and diverse that I'm never sick of the options. Their seasonal recipes feature certified organic fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. Plus, they are the only meal kit that is both carbon and plastic offset. By using Green Chef, you are reducing your food waste by up to 23% compared to grocery shopping. How amazing is that? Go to greenchef.com slash Cameron50 and use code Cameron50 to get 50% off plus free shipping. Once again, go to greenchef.com slash Cameron50 and use code Cameron50 to get 50% off plus free shipping. We love you, Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Hey, Bestie, I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan. We are the hosts of Creeps and Crimes podcast. Every Thursday, Morgan takes us on a deep dive into a paranormal case or a conspiracy theory. And Taylor will bring you a detailed and accurate reporting on a true crime case. Since we launched in 2020, we have never missed a Thursday. With over 160 episodes ready for you to binge, you will never run out of cases. And you can follow along on Instagram at Creeps and Crimes podcast. Whether you're in the car or enjoying a glass of wine, tune in every Thursday to Creeps and Crimes. So before we get into the food therapy aspect of things, I just want to ask, like, as a professional, in terms of balancing blood sugar, because we hear this a lot, but I honestly don't fully understand what it even means. I think I inherently do it based on my meals. Yes. But I also think that I inherently notice when I am not. Like, I notice I get very jittery in the morning if I have my coffee too early before I'm eating any food. Like that feeling doesn't feel good to me. Yeah. I don't know if that has anything to do with blood sugar. It depends what's in your coffee. (laughs) Just coffee and milk. Oh, well then that wouldn't be a blood, but I mean, it would make sense that something that's revving you up before you kind of have something in your stomach. And and also just knowing you and your nervous system, knowing that you kind of like need like a little grounding. Yeah, I always need to chill a little bit more than rev up. But terms of blood sugar, what it really just means is like anytime you're eating something with a bunch of sugar or a bunch of carbs, blood sugar goes up and then insulin comes and drops it low. What you want is curve that's kind of like this because then you don't have those low lows and that's Mm. when cortisol spikes, which is the stress hormone. And it's just better for your hormones that way. It doesn't mean that if you have a slice of cake or something, you know, I'm never going to be like, don't have the thing. Like, the thing that really matters to me is that like you sit down and you enjoy the shit out of it and that whole thing. But if you're doing carbs or sugar, doing it with some sort of a fat and a fiber is really helpful to moderate that blood sugar. And just being mindful of where added sugar is coming in because there's so many places like dressings and sauces. And even some people do like in restaurants, some people will like glaze fish and veggies mm-hmm. and stuff where like you're not really like paying attention to where the sugar is coming in. So to me, it's more about like knowing where it is. So you can decide what's worth it to you type of thing. So for a breakfast, for example, yes. what would be like a one or two great options to balance your blood sugar for people listening that are like struggling in that? I feel like breakfast is always hard for people. Yeah, breakfast is hard for people. So you could either do something more just like fat and protein and greens like a frittata. Like that would be just easy because it doesn't have any 
carbs or sugar, but I'm a huge fan of sweet potato in the morning. Like to me, that's such a good complex carb. I slice it up and I'll throw it in my air fryer with olive oil and salt. And like, I'll do kind of like a, yeah. that. And people will sometimes do like little toasts. Yeah, I used like to with, do that. Yeah, I've seen yeah. you do that, I think. Like way back. Way back in the day. Yeah, And do that with eggs or some kind of protein. Like I'm big on like a chicken sausage right now mm-hmm. in the air fryer that I do swear. Do you eat Seymour's? Oh, I love Seymour's. The best. It's I'm addicted. I'm addicted. No, we eat them every day in our house. Yeah, they have like fun flavors too. So good. What's my your son flavor? Loves them. Chicken chili verde. Yeah. Um, that's probably my favorite. There's a Bubby's like chicken yeah, soup. Yeah, that one's good too. Yeah. But what about this is basically what I Tell eat me. every morning. Yeah. Oatmeal. Yeah. With I do like chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp Great. seeds. Great. I don't know, just to get in the seeds. Yeah. Hemp is for protein, I know that. Yeah. And then I'll do peanut butter because I need peanut butter in the morning. Yeah, I love that. And then blueberries, strawberries, and bananas. That's amazing. You're you're having some complex carbs. You're having like the more immediate sugar from the fruit, but you're also having like some fat and some protein. So okay. I'm down. Win? Great. Win. And my son literally has the same thing, except he's obsessed with How mush. Do you ever eat mush? Yes, I'm obsessed the with best. mush. And I think we talked about... Did we talk about how you can put an egg in mush oh, yes, and make it a pancake? Did you try oh, it? I haven't done it yet. You got to do it. Okay. I thought you were just going to say put an egg in mush. I'm like, that's disgusting. That's disgusting. But I have to do that. But if you he put it in egg. mush every morning. He wakes up. He's like, oatmeal, oatmeal, oatmeal. I'm like, okay. I'm friends mm-hmm. with the founder. And I'm like, my son is literally your number one consumer. The kids love mush. Love. Blueberry? Yep. But also yeah. sometimes the peanut butter chocolate, yeah. which I don't know if I should be giving him yeah, for breakfast, okay. but whatever. Um, <laughs> that's just what they happen to send recently. So that's what we've You're been like, enjoying. That's what we got. In terms of food therapy, yeah. what do you feel a lot of people's roadblocks are when it comes to food? I think that one of the biggest is this thing called there's moral licensing and loopholes. It's this idea like, I've been so good, I deserve this. Or I had such a bad day, I deserve this. Or the idea that this doesn't count, like it's the weekend, it's the holiday or whatever. And the thing about it is that like, this isn't a moral dilemma. This isn't a matter of vice and virtue. So it doesn't matter if you cleaned your inbox or you had the worst day ever, or like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's the idea that like indulging, as long as you do so consciously, I'm down for it. Like the idea of like, if you really want the thing, put it on a plate, enjoy the shit out of it and move on. If you're doing it that way, then great. But you didn't like, there's no like earning it because you don't mm-hmm. need to earn it. And I think the the issue is that when you indulge under those pretenses of like, it, this didn't count or I deserve this, you kind of then get to a place where you're indulging unconsciously. And then it kind of leads to more where you're like, oh, well, I already kind of did it. And now it's, you know, two weeks of this and three weeks and you get so far away from like your original goal or intention, but you didn't do so consciously. And then that ends up feeling like crap. Yeah. And I also think it adds this layer of labeling food where if it's a treat or reward, then like inherently it's not also good. Yeah. Like it has to be something that's off limits and you're getting it for this reason. And I used to very much do this. Like I used to think that there were good and bad foods. And I actually was, I read through some of my old journals because I have had them for the past like five Mm. years. And it's so sad to read sometimes. It's great in a reflection 
like output. And it's also great in the sense that I'm like, wow, I've accomplished a lot of what I wanted to. But then I'm also like, oh my God, I just want to give that little girl a hug because there were things where I was setting intentions for months and it was like, eat dessert one time a week, like so Uh, restrictive. Yeah. And I feel like the second you restrict and label, it becomes this thing that you then want even more because it's like, you can't have it. It's like, if you tell a kid, this is your favorite toy, but you can't play with this toy. I'm going to put this toy over here. The kid's going to want that toy even more because suddenly like it's not at their access, but they can see it. And I just feel like letting go of those things helped me so much in my own journey with food where like I eat ice cream almost every single night because it's my favorite food. I will never stop. But that's also turned into, oh, I'll have a bite or two of ice cream. I'm not like binging on a full pint every night. Right, right. I think that it is a really important thing because the reality is that, and I was talking to a client about this just this morning, which is that, and the way that I work with people is that it's really important to me that nothing is off limits Mm -hmm. because exactly what you're saying, as soon as you feel that way, it's like everything you're, we're grownups have whatever you like, anything is available to you. If it's worth it to you and you want it, the only thing I care about is that it's like the thing where you actually enjoy it. Cause the thing that makes me sad is, is if then people will do this punishing thing where they're like, they'll eat it and then they'll feel so bad about themselves. And then they'll do like the whole eat, repent, repeat thing, which, mm-hmm. and a whole shame spiral, which is so unnecessary. And that's not what I want. But if you're going to enjoy the thing and that's going to be it, then God bless. Like I'm so into that, but you're right when it's like, you can only have it this amount of times, it winds up being a thing that then I think a lot of people will think about over and over and over again. Right, it just takes up so much brain space that's unnecessary. It is. What do you feel has been helpful advice in giving to clients for the listeners who are maybe in this phase of being obsessive around food and like working out of that? I think that the biggest thing is that Well, first of all, I think really, and I think the more conversations people hear, like how we're having now, which is like the thing that actually really does work and people, it's so hard to believe when you're in that moment where if you are kinder to yourself, Mm -hmm. that actually really does help. I think we all worry at some point that if we're too kind to ourselves, we'll kind of just like stay in neutral and kind of just like cruise through life and not get anywhere. But actually the self-compassion piece is what helps us out of those like roadblocks where we're like standing in our own way. So I think my biggest piece of advice, it would be like, if you're in a position right now where you're feeling maybe like out of control with food or you're feeling like you're in that place where you're doing the eat, repent, repeat thing, like really, really doing a self-compassionate deep dive about what those roadblocks might be in the in a way that you would listen to a friend. So I think for a lot of us, you know, we're so busy, we're so tired. A lot of my clients and a lot of my friends are so exhausted by the end of the day that no matter what, however they played the day in terms of food and whatever, once they put their kid to sleep, it feels like all bets are off and they're sitting on the couch and like that's their little special time. And mm-hmm. I think that knowing what your kind of triggers are and what are the things that tend to trip you up in the most self-compassionate way is the best way to start. Because then you're on the road to being like, okay, 
So what are my options here? And how do I play this? And and also what season of life am I in? Because mm-hmm. I think that the reality too is that everyone goes through, se- some people go through seasons of life where they're really kind of feeling really motivated and they're feeling really in it to win it, whatever that means to them. And just like really on it. And I'm talking, I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about like waking up and journaling and doing the whole thing. And then there are also seasons where we're hibernating or we're like, killing ourselves at work or our kids are going through a sleep regression and being really kind to ourselves during those pieces and maybe being willing to be like, okay, so right now I'm not able to give this 100. So I'm going to do the best that I can. And when I come out of this Mm -hmm. season, you're going to be so much better off because you didn't do the whole like, fuck it. It's like, it's all ruined type of thing. Right. I totally agree. Right now, I am enjoying one of my favorite weeks of the summer, a beach vacation. Every summer, I make a point to block off one full week where I can completely unplug from work and enjoy some family time in my happy place. And while I love the beach with all of my heart, this summer has been hot, especially for someone who is pregnant. I am constantly sweating. There is not enough cold and juicy fruit or refreshing drinks in the world for me right now. I cannot be stopped. One of the ways I'm making sure to stay hydrated, which is always important, but especially in this heat, is drinking Element, which replenishes my electrolytes. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't, which means a lot of salt with no sugar. This product contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, which is 100 milligrams sodium, 200 milligrams potassium, and 60 milligrams magnesium with none of the junk like coloring, artificial ingredients, and other BS additives. Whether you overdid it this past weekend, are pregnant like me, working out a ton, or just trying to keep an active lifestyle, replenishing electrolytes is super important. All summer long, I am drinking either the citrus salt or the watermelon salt because those are my two favorites over ice in my water bottle to keep me hydrated and going. If you're like me, heat-induced headaches are very real and one of the not-so-fun parts of summer. So my daily element is essential for helping me feel my best. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash Cameron. This deal is only available through my link. You must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash Cameron. You guys know how much I love my steamy romance novels and how I recommend them to just about anyone with yours. I mean, I think some would argue that maybe I talk about them a bit too much, but that is neither here nor there. Well, not only do I love my steamy novels, but also audio stories, which is why I'm so excited to introduce you to today's sponsor, Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. You can discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. Plus, they are radically inclusive and offer stories for straight and queer listeners, and 56% of stories are voice acted by people of color. There is truly something for everyone on here. And the best part is that new content is released every week, so you can always find something new to explore in between listening to your favorite stories 
over and over again. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. I'm so excited for you all to try and report back with your thoughts and experiences. You know I love a good juicy DM. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash Cameron. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash Cameron. Dipsystories.com slash Cameron. What are you seeing as like the biggest struggle right now with your clientele? I don't know. Like what age typically are you working with? Is there a demographic or is it all over? I actually work with everyone. I used to actually have a lot of teen girls, which I loved so much. I've always worked with everyone Mm because it's just kind of fun and I've never had like a specific specialty, yeah. but I think if I ever did, it would kind of be with those girls because I wish that I had that. And I mean, it's so important. Yeah. Is there or are there things that you're seeing across all of your clients that people are struggling with right now? Like I know I feel like we're sadly taking some steps back right now in diet culture. Yeah. In my opinion. You just mean just with what we're seeing online all the time. I know. With the Ozempic situation. Oh, yeah. And just everyone seems to be getting plastic surgery. And it's, I just feel like it's starting to turn a little bit more into that like thin focus than we've been in recently. I do think that we were starting to change for the better. And I think we've taken a few steps backwards as a society. But what do you feel that your clients are like across the board struggling with? Is there anything? Yeah. Well, first of all, I completely agree. And the Ozempic stuff, I think is really hard because I understand why people, I totally understand any celebrity or public figure's right and want to be like private about their own private matters. But I think that the thing that's really hard is that like when someone's obviously on this, but then in the media, they'll say things like, oh, I just run after my two-year-old and like I Mm -hmm. eat burgers and fries. You know, I think there's still that where there's a want to be perceived as really one thing, but actually doing this other thing. And then the only reason I think it's really hard for the rest of people that I'm seeing come to me is that like, if if you're doing kind of the slow and steady way, whatever that is for you, and then you're seeing people just drop a ton of weight really quickly from these medications, it makes you feel like the slow and steady way, like you're doing something wrong. Yeah, and I also think just from the standpoint of like our society glamorizes yeah. and loves and unfortunately praises thinness in yeah. women, even just uh, today, I was scrolling on TikTok and there was a creator who was just posting a video, had nothing to do with her weight. She was just sitting in a chair, making like singing some song, posting a video. And all of the comments are like, Ozempic slay, like you're so thin, you look great. The Ozempic is Ozempicking, uh. all this stuff where A, she hasn't publicly said she's on Ozempic. Maybe she is. I have no idea. But B, as a consumer, you see that. And if you're reading all these comments, my mind goes to, oh, people love her more because she's thin now. Yeah. And as the creator, I know that's where your mind is going when you see all these comments because I've been in that seat where people are commenting on your body, commenting on your body. And it's like, oh, so what did they think about me before? They like me more now. So I have to say this way. Then that means I have to be thin. Like it's so fucked up. And I think that's my biggest qualm with all of this is that we're just proving as a society that we are continuing to praise thinness. Yeah. And the thing is, I think the thing that I 
I always come back to myself and I try and talk about with clients, but I try and like really own myself is like this idea that beauty, like for instance, I remember this so, I remember this so clearly. I used to work out at this gym in New York that was, had some like cool supermodels working out at it. And I remember so specifically, I got out of the shower one day and I was literally in front of a mirror, wet bone naked next to like a supermodel naked. And it was the most obvious comparison. And I stood there and I felt like at a different point in my life, I would have been like, oh my God, look at the differences and been so just this idea of this gap between us and and all the ways in the way that like my body will never be. Right. Even, you know, if I'm being healthy and doing the healthy thing, like my body would never look exactly like that. And I think that for me in that moment and what I really try and be is like, she's so beautiful and it doesn't take away from my own beauty. Like mm -hmm. it, like it can exist together. And I think the stuff with Ozempic, when you, that's really hard is that you see someone sometimes who has a body like yours, who looks the same in clothes like yours. And then all of a sudden that person starts to get really real thin. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you feel a little bit less like, but that was my girl out there, like rallying for yeah. our body type. And simultaneously you're seeing that person get praise. Yes, absolutely. In a thinner body. Absolutely. Which then does make you feel, well, then what am I? Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. The whole thing, it's, it's really wild and it's taken on serious legs, especially in LA, evidently from conversations I've had with friends. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. then, but the thing is, is like, it's a new drug. There's a ton of bounce back too, which is that mm -hmm. if you're losing a bunch of weight without making any lifestyle changes, as soon as you get off the medication, there's this whole buoy back, which I think is really hard. Like I, we're definitely not done talking about all of the potential side effects on the flip side. So the whole thing is really concerning to me. And yeah, I think praising, you know, it's an interesting conversation too, though, about like praising people's bodies. You know, like a lot of people would be like, we should just not talk about bodies. Mm -hmm. Like we should just be body neutral and we shouldn't be like, like if someone's looking especially thin or especially like curvy and yeah. hot, like we should just like stay away from that. What do you think? I agree. Yeah. Um, and I've said this, you know, so I've always been thin. Yeah. And when I got pregnant, obviously you gain weight and I ended up losing weight in postpartum. And then I hit a point where not purposely, but I lost more weight where all of a sudden I was like, thinner than I had been in a long time. And I did not yeah. like, I didn't feel confident or connected to the body I was in, mm -hmm. in that period of time. And really it triggered a lot for me because I knew that I was around the same weight just based on doctor's appointments at that time that I was when I was obsessive and restrictive. And so that was a big mind fuck as well, because I'm like, but I'm not at all right now. So yeah. why is my body doing this to me? And quite honestly, it was the physicality of motherhood that I just never knew existed. I was breastfeeding. I was struggling with postpartum depression. I was so anxious. I was not in a good place mentally. And I think all of that just compiled with this weight loss. And I had changed the style of workouts during my pregnancy. So that also played a role in it. And I was getting a lot of commentary on my body. 
And I publicly shared this on my Instagram. I was like, I really would like people to stop because what you're doing to my brain that you don't realize is telling me that this is the this is how I should look. Mm. And I don't want to latch on to this and obsess over it. I actually want to gain weight. Yeah. And so I worked with a dietitian to gain like 10 to 15 pounds to get into a place where I felt more confident and comfortable in my body. But I was really proud of myself for that because I know that had this happened four years ago, I would have been like, we have to stay this way. Let's mm. keep going. Like, how do we How do we never gain any more weight? How do we stay this thin? How do we yeah. keep this praise? And I've had this conversation with a lot of friends who've gone through similar actual experiences in postpartum where it's a bit triggering, but also I was scared that my brain was going to fall back into that mentality. Right. And a lot of that be was because of commentary I was receiving. So I always think, keep it to yourself. Like yeah. you never know what someone is going through on the other side. And I remember that was just adding fuel to my fire when I was in that obsessive stage. Every time someone commented on my body, I'd be like, fuck, it's working. So I'm always a proponent of like, you can say, oh my God, you look amazing. Right. You're glowing. Like, I love that shirt on you. Like, I love your energy, but I hate the like, oh my God, you look so thin. How'd you lose so much weight? You look amazing. Those are two very different things. It is. It is. And I think you're exactly right. And I've had a ton of clients have the, those things as well, where like, we do hold on to those things. And it's also like, oh, so then they're saying that I didn't look great before. Exactly. And now I'm in like the worst meltdown of my life, but this is when I'm mm -hmm. looking the best. So let's just like stay here. Yeah. I think it's really, I think it's, I think it's important. And I think that the thing is, is that it seems kind of really obvious, but it is still a thing just out in the world. And I, I think everyone's really different and you know, your friends who, you know, are working really hard towards something. And if you know, someone happens to be like, you know, trying to get really fit and lean for this thing and they're training for something like, you know, those friends who might want to feel more like seen and heard for their progress in certain ways. But I do think it's something we should be so aware of. Yeah. But even that, like just play devil's advocate. Yes. Like, no, tell me. Even that you still don't know the mental, True. like you could know someone's like, oh, they really want to like tone up. I don't know. But you don't know how obsessive. No, it's true. Like that. I just still feel like there's always better things to compliment people on. I agree. I mean, the the only reason I say it that way is that like I think of like all my other clients because there is that whole other side of it. Not who need to know like, oh, my God, you look so thin or you look so whatever. Mm -hmm. But like seeing someone like I like seeing all your hard work, like you're like you look really strong, like you look really mm -hmm. like that type of thing, not like literally talking about the yeah. shape of their I always will body. say like my favorite compliment is like, you look so happy. Oh, like there's nothing better that. than that. I there's love nothing that. better than that because you can be happy at any size. And like, that's more of a energy yeah, than I like a physicality. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just... It's so interesting, especially as a creator, when I look at some people's commentary, like I would like to think that we've moved on. And then you look at some the comments on some people's videos and it's like obsessing over people's weight fluctuating. And <sighs> it's, I don't know. No, online, especially like I'm, I was thinking more like in person, but online, oh, but online, it's wild. online, it's wild. It's, I mean, gosh. And I actually have a client. It's actually really interesting because it's a client who's like, a celebrity in the public eye who's always been kind of dragged for her weight. And 
she got on Ozempic and mm-hmm. it's the first time in her life that everyone's dying, you know, and it's not just that. It's that, you know, if you're not sample size in Hollywood, then you have to buy your all your own clothes, basically. Mm-hmm. Like stylists can't like just send you things, whatever. So all of a sudden she's just getting all this positive feedback for it. And the idea was always like, you're not going to be on this forever. Like this is, it's this interesting conversation because the thing with Ozempic is that it, decreases your appetite. Mm-hmm. And so for someone sometimes who's obsessive about food, I'm not saying like yeah. in the realm that we're talking about, but in some cases, you know, they really enjoy kind of like quieting that down because then they're not like thinking about food as much because they're not hungry. But it was this it was this really interesting conversation where she was like the first time in my life I just like I'm feeling all this positive feedback from this and it is goes back to what you're saying which is like I know, but you're on a medication that you're not going to be on forever. Right, and, what and it fucking when you sucks because now she thinks that this is how she has to be. Yeah, It's, I mean, there's so many layers to there's this. There's so many and layers. And then there's the fact that it's now becoming a drug that people who really like need it from a diabetic standpoint yes. can't access. I know. Yeah, a multitude of layers. A multitude of layers. For people who are listening who are like maybe in a phase where they want to start working with a dietitian. Yeah. Are you taking on new clients? I am. Okay. Yeah, so I love it. Tell us about your practice. You know, it's really, so my book was called The Food Therapist. It's really about this. It's about the fact that like, I think we all know, or many of us know to a certain extent, like what we ought to be doing that would be better to set us on a better track. And there's a gap between what we're doing and what we really want. And it's not because we're lazy. It's not because we can't do it. It's because life really does get in the way and it really can be complicated. Mm -hmm. And it can be complicated because of the way we grew up. It can be complicated because we are socialized to, you know, eat because we won our soccer game or we had a really bad day and had to get a shot or what have you, or like we were told to like finish every bite off our plate because, Mm -hmm. you know, someone's going to feel guilty because your mom you know, work so hard in dinner. And so I think it becomes about so many other things. And the other thing about it, and just in terms of, I think feel like willpower is such kind of a yucky word now yeah. because it's like, ooh, I want to like not eat something that I want. Like that's not what I'm talking about. But the idea of, to me, it's like having the ability to pause and be like, do I really want this thing? Or what do I really want? And it goes back to like everything. It goes back to parenting too, where like there are those little moments where you're like, how do I want to handle this? in this Mm -hmm. moment. And it doesn't always work. Like we don't always get the pause moment, but I think the reality is I read all this research really early on that was so interesting to me, which was basically that willpower, everyone has willpower, but it's a limited resource. And what I mean by willpower is like acting in a way or behaving in a way that like you don't necessarily want to, but it's kind of like the right thing to do. And I mean that like not yelling at our kids when they're like, Mm -hmm. you know, doing something that's, you know, whatever, (laughs) not honking our horn at people on the, on the street who are being obnoxious, you know, like getting our work done, emailing, doing all this, like being grown up functional people, Mm -hmm. all of that pulls from the same willpower well of, you know, making thoughtful decisions about what you're going to eat and what you're going to order and stuff like that. And so I think in a lot of cases, it's helping people figure out a, how to take that pause when it comes around food. So to meet whatever kind of goals they want. And a lot of times people have like a combo, like I had a client who 
had like a ton of food issues stuff. She had never been in a bathing suit around her daughter and her daughter was two. And this past summer, like just from working together and like a series of a lot of things, she was in a bathing suit and went in the pool with her daughter for the first time. And her daughter started crying because she was like, you know how to swim? Oh my god! And it was like so meaningful to her yeah. daughter that she knew she didn't know her mom knew how to swim. And she was like, oh my God, I'm so glad that I could get out of like my own way to right. get to that place. So I think the reality is, is like we all have busy lives. We all have, it's complicated for a lot of different reasons. So like being able to figure out how to pause, being able to figure out how to like reduce fit- decision fatigue, which also plays yes, into huge. huge. And like pre-committing to some like choices ahead of time, whether that's like, you know, doing some meal assembly stuff so you can throw together things mm-hmm. that are yummy or doing some light prep beforehand so you're not like the day isn't just happening to you. Yep. So stuff like that. Amazing. Yeah. And then for everyone else who maybe doesn't need to work or have the resources or whatever, doesn't yeah. have time to work with a dietitian like one-on-one, yeah. where can they support you? So I'm on Instagram at Shira underscore RD. And please reach out. I love hearing from people. You know, it's it's been so funny because I've been so busy with the podcast. I do a daily now. Right, which, which is, is wild. Great. It's wild. The production schedule. So are you in here every day? No, so we do bat, we batch, okay. but I'm in here a lot. And yeah. I'm always producing content. But I feel like I have got the thing I really love and always want to stay true to is like, talking to people, understanding like what's going on with people, whether those are clients or people who want to DM and say mm-hmm. hi and let me know what's going on just so I can know where to gear like the whole thing, right? Being of service in that way is so I love it so much. And it's really meaningful to me. So if you let me know what's going on, I can gear epitaph episodes towards perfect that. and it is so important i mean that's why i talk about specific topics yeah. because i'll get a lot of requests from people in my community that's like hey you haven't done an episode on this like i would love to hear yeah, more and i'm like you're so good at doing that there. oh wow thank you so much i feel, <laughs> no, but i feel like your community feels so i love engaged. my community i know i they think it's really beautiful something else they're yeah. amazing okay the name of your podcast it's good <laughs> instincts on it's a dear media original it's called good instincts and you can get it wherever you listen to your podcast great thank you so much thank you so much. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I have so much fun recording the show. It is my favorite part of my job and truly is what lights me up. Your feedback and response to every episode is what keeps me going. And if this episode resonated with you, please feel free to DM me over on Instagram or share on your stories. If you are looking for a way to support the show, please rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. It means the world to me and it really helps the show grow. Please also make sure to hit subscribe so that you are up to date with new episodes coming at you every Wednesday morning. And of course, please be sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at at Cameron Oaks Rogers. I love you and I appreciate your support so much. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.